Welcome to my super type A attempt at being Zen, the podcast. My name is Risha York, and I will be your host. If you are overworked, overtired, overstretched, overwhelmed, just over it, you are in the right place. We like to say we are currently working towards Zen-ish. I'm thrilled that you've joined us. Let's see who will be supporting us on our path to Zen today. Welcome back to my super type A attempt at being Zen. We have the wonderful enjoyment of having Nina Purewell on our show today. She is the co-author of Let That Shit Go, which I think should probably really resonate for anybody who's listening to this podcast. So Nina, please introduce yourself. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such an honor to be here. My name is Nina Purewell. As you said, I am the co-author of Let That Shit Go. I am also the founder of Pure Minds, where we do mindfulness, meditation, mental health, corporate wellness workshops for companies. Um, I'm also an executive grief ambassador for the Season Center for Grieving Children, which is one of the most honorable roles I, roles I hold. Uh, and I'm just out here trying to help people find peace and happiness in the everyday through very practical solutions. And my ultimate is to give people hope through adversity. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. I saw you speak in the fall and I was I was so excited to meet you in person. I felt like it was kismet because I actually use your book as part of my required reading for my course, my super type A attempt at being Zen. I totally I, remember that day and you came up to me and we took some selfies. I was and... so excited. And it's Aww. so rare that the books that I have on my list the authors come anywhere close to where I am since I'm, you know, up here in the boonies headed on, on your way up to Muskoka. So I was in shock and I was like, that's the universe telling me I have to get my butt down there. I was on the fence as to whether I was going, I saw your name and I'm like, I'll be there. Oh, thank you so much. I no so appreciate the support. It was so great. Um, so tell us about how did this book come about? What were you hoping it would do for others? Yeah, it's such a great question. And, and I want to say thank you too for making it a part of your curriculum. It just means so much. Um, I actually, funny story, never had any intentions to write a book. Wasn't a fan of English growing up. Never. A lot of people have that on their bucket list. I want to be an author. Um, what happened was Kate, my co-author and I were doing workshops in the city at the, at the Drake hotel on, you know, learn how to meditate, learn, actually she founded a business and had a bunch of courses and two of them were on meditation mindfulness. And at this time I was off on that leave. I was doing a lot of healing for myself. Um, and she said, Hey, do you want to come in and teach these two courses? And I said, yeah. And I'd worked corporate up till then. I was trying to figure out how do I start bringing ancient wisdom to the workplace? I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how it was going to manifest. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to write and teach these courses. And we started doing that. She put swearing on the titles, which made, and that was the cool thing to do like years ago, learn how to F and meditate yeah. mindfully. Yeah. Um, and they went viral and lucky for us, Harper Collins caught wind of them. And they were like, we love how you're positioning, you know, mindfulness um, and happiness. Are you open to writing a book? And we were like, 
Yeah, absolutely. So one thing led to another. There was a lot of back and forth, a lot of interesting, intricate stories. One time we almost walked away from the opportunity, um, but uh, we ended up just landing in a great place. They gave us nine weeks to write it. So it was very intense uh, yeah. and, you know, went from there. And it's basically my heart and soul and Kate's too on paper, all the life lessons we learned up until, up until then, it's 120 tips on, as I said, how to find more happiness and peace in the everyday. And uh, it's just a little, a little guidebook to, to help you kind of move through and navigate all the things that our mind throws at us. I love it so much. I will throw it on in my car as I'm driving to an event, especially something that gives me anxiety. Like if I'm on my way to a keynote or something, I'm like, you know what, we're just, we're going to mellow out and I'll throw on a chapter in the car. Cause I have it on audible or Google play or whatever. And I'm like, okay, yeah, see, look, Kate and Nina are just telling you to chill out. It's cool. You got this. <laughs> it's not easy, right? It's not easy. But yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I love to hear that. And you know, the whole premise is that and what I learned, I spent a year in a monastery or an ashram and the, the basis of ancient wisdom is saying our true nature is happiness. It is joy. It's love. It's all these wonderful things. And if you think of yourself as an infant or a toddler, you are inherently happy. Or if you have kids in your life, like your aunt and uncle or, you know, your own kids, um, you see how kids are inherently happy when they come into this world. Yeah. And, and what happens over time? A parent says something to us. A, a mean teacher, a coach along the way. And we start to build these grooves and these belief systems about ourselves, um, And they become more ingrained in tweenhood and teenhood and adulthood. And suddenly we're fully functioning adults feeling like we're not good enough. And yeah. so the whole process of, you know, let that shit go is, is letting go of all the things that are obstructing us from going back to that true nature. So people say, oh, I'm on a search to find happiness. I always say, you don't need to find it out not there. Out there right here in here yeah. to let go of. So every tip is another thing that we kind of hold on to. And every chapter is another theme um, of things we hold on to that are, are obstructing us from showing up as our best selves. And when it came out into the world, what was the response? Like, what were people saying to you? Yeah. Um, it was very well received. It was, it went global very quickly. Um, Harper Collins was, very happy with, you know, the, the sales of the book. Um, it took us 18 publisher rejections in the U S um, in two years to get into the U S because we're Canadian and we're not famous. We don't have a crazy platform and this, right. but now it's color in airports in the U S. Um, so I think it's more the numbers speak for itself. And we really wrote it for women between the age of 25 and 45 who are busy, you know, but we're hearing back from all genders, all you know, age groups, um, of how the book is affecting them. And that just means more to me than anything. When I get those notes from people who are like, wow, you, your book helped me unlock this thing after 10 years, or your book, you know, saved me through this. It's just like, it makes everything, all the blood, sweat and tears and the vulnerability, uh, worth it. So, yeah, you know, really, absolutely. I can be happy. What yeah. was the intention? Like, was the intention, we want to just help people along their journey. Was it, we just want to share yeah. our journey? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the intention of the book was the way Harper Collins approached it was, you know, the, you know, the book, the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted kind of a mindfulness version of it because mindfulness was started. This was in 2018. So it was starting mm -hmm. to kind of be this topic, but there was all this talk of 
you know, the initial uh, outline of the book had mindfulness and meditation as the first few chapters. And they said, people are going to find that way too intimidating. We don't want to pe- make people feel like they have to add something to their life. They have to start meditating. Like people are already too busy. Yeah. So the intent was like, now the last two chapters are mindfulness and meditation. So it's like, by the way, this big mountain you climb through all these tips yeah. is mindfulness. We actually didn't yeah. even use the word until the second last chapter. So the intent was just people are busy. They might not have time to meditate. They might not have time to, you know, start a new thing. So how do we slowly, and that's what I love about mindfulness. It's all about the lens through which you're viewing life. You don't do something like go to a class. You just have to start shifting how you're looking at things. Yeah. It's funny. You should say that because through my course, it's very similar. That's what appealed to me about the book because my course is built for same range women in that group, as well as women who are super type A, who function at a very high achievement level, who are high energy, very driven, but they don't know how to relax. Right. They don't know how to come down. And it's a real struggle, right? It's a real struggle. And so- Uh, in my other course, I have another course called, uh, lead without permission. Anytime I would get someone who came through that course, who was type a and very responsibility driven, I'd say, so, you know, in week 10, we talk about meditation and they're like, yeah, no, I can't, I don't do that. I can't do that. I can't. And I'm like, so you can, but I understand where you're coming from. And it was always like a big fight as we get up to there. No, I won't. I won't. I won't. I'm like, just go with me. But by the time they get to week 10, they're ready for it. Cause we've done all that prep work. Good for you ahead of time that then it's like, see, it's not actually nearly as hard as you thought it was. Yes. It's also not like three minutes, three minutes. Start it's somewhere. A world of difference every day. Yeah. Yes. Right. And when we start to look at it that way, you don't have to sit still. You don't have to block all those other thoughts out of your head. They come and they go. It's okay. Yeah. Right. And my super type A folks were just like, I can't, I mean, I can't sit still. I no, I understand. Do it while you're walking. Do it while you sit in the bath. Do it while whatever it is in the shower. I'm totally a shower meditator. Yes. If you need to multitask, multitask, but do it in a way where it's still serving you. Right. Yes. I loved that about that book because as it built up, I was like, Ooh, these ladies are smart. How they've built this because this really appealed (laughs) to the audience of my course. Cause as soon as I say mindfulness or meditation, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. It just doesn't work for me. Absolutely. And you know, I have to say I was an A-type I worked in, I'm still an A-type. Gosh, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I, I, you know, I worked in corporate, very, you know, stressful corporate jobs, most of my career. Yeah. Um, and there is a way to, to find that duality. And all of my clients are pretty much hardcore corporate. I do executive leadership workshops. Um, they're all type A. Yeah. Uh, and a way to manage your thoughts better. So they're not obstructing your focus, your efficiency, your productivity. I mean, people associate mindfulness. It's like, they can't make the connection that, oh, this can actually help me in the work setting. And 
I feel like there is that little bit of a distinction between mindfulness and, and meditation. And it's like meditation and yet anybody can do it. I have to say, that's one of my other objectives is to make sure that people know meditation is just not for people who want to run in the mountains and like sit there for hours and hours and no. start small. Like, you, you know, I tell them to start with a minute a week and then go up to two minutes and then go up, yeah. you know, and it's like going to the gym for your mind. And I get exactly. it. Being alone with your thoughts can be scary. It is a process, but once you start, you overcome that initial hump and you start getting more comfortable sitting in meditation or, you know, showering through getting, building that muscle of being aware of your thoughts and moving through them. You know, mindfulness is, is more in the everyday, you know, as you're opening your laptop, instead of feeling the anxiety of, Oh my God, I have so much oh my gosh, I have a job that pays me this much. And like, or just like, I am opening my laptop, just yeah. being present at the moment, right? There's so yeah. many, and that's why every opportunity, every minute, every interaction is an opportunity to practice. Absolutely. Being mindful. And like I, I said, always say to my clients, I'm not pitching you enlightenment here. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not practice. going to ascend to ultimate <clears throat> all-knowing omni- you know, you might get there. You might get there. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, exactly. But you know, it's not crazy goal. Like just one day at a time, one, one day at a time. It's so much smaller than that. It's so much smaller than enlightenment. It's literally, I'm just trying to help you find a little balance. I love that. Exactly. Right. Just a little balance, a little peace every day. And I find with a types as well, they're hard on themselves. A lot of them oh, are perfectionists. Grew up being perfectionists, um, really struggle with that. So what comes from that? Lack of self-love, a shit ton of imposter syndrome. Oh, so much. You know, yeah. Forming, not showing up as ourselves. You know, these are all different parts of the book. Um, but when you're a perfectionist, you, nobody's perfect. We're all, we're all human. We're all going to have those things. So the more we accept who we are and understand who we are and work through who we are, you know, the, the more easy and gentle and compassionate we're going to be on ourselves yeah. versus pressure that, oh my God, everything has to be perfect and lined up. Well, and I think when you function as a type A person, different things bring you bliss and joy than other people. So I'm always one of my big pet peeves and I'm sure people on the podcast have heard this before, but when someone says, just have a bubble bath, I'm like, no, oh, yeah, that's yes. not going to do it for me. It's going to temper. I mean, I, I think there is a place for spending a day at the spa or talking to your, you know, it, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system yeah. in a place, but it's also a little bit of a bandaid because it's like, okay, let me get some calm, which is good. Calms your system down, but then I'm going to go back to my stressful life. Yeah. So they're not lifelong. And, and this, this whole notion of self-love and self-care and, you know, self-care Sundays and all that. Yes, it's important. But from my perspective, self-love starts in your mind up here. How are you talking to yourself? What's the narrative? What are you saying to yourself? Um, And that's the part where we miss when we do the whole like, oh, let me go out and self-care for a day. That's great. And that's important. But yeah, what's actually going on up here? Yeah, that that in the back of your mind. I, I always say there's someone sort of like you picture you're in a classroom and that kid with the spitballs going. So every time something in my brain says something that's not nice, I turn around. I'm like, that's enough. Yeah. 
Yes. I treat it like that kid in the classroom, right? That's That's, enough. That is not how we deal with this. And then I give it no more attention because the more attention you give it, the the more more voice it has. Yes. The louder it becomes. Um, And that's a, it's, it's a really great point because, you know, it's these neural networks in our own mind that we're trying to actually, you know, from childhood, that yes. I'm not or, oh my God, I got a re- a type. So like you get a review, amazing rear end review. And there's one thing on there because every manager has to put the, uh, your areas of opportunity or constructive feedback. And that's all oh, you think about. On. Yeah. Think about it. So it's like letting go of that neural network. This is neuroplasticity. There is science behind this and creating a new one. What's the yeah. new thing? that I can start saying to myself. And that's where it becomes really empowering because, you know, we start to gain better control over our thought. We go from the mind controlling us to us controlling the mind. And I don't say this in the book, but I started, you know, saying this more, more, um, you know, overtly during my workshops is treat your mind like a child. Like you're saying that spitball and give it a name. Yeah. You know, what so has its own, idea because our, otherwise our thoughts become, we become our thoughts. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 our thoughts are just a part of us. If we can be a witness, like the very first chapter is awareness. If we can be aware. Yeah. And, and yeah, you start having those conversations. Like, let's say the mind is Johnny, Johnny, I'm, I'm not going there today. No. Yeah. And so, and, and I had a mentor say to me, once you get into the fifth or sixth thought about something that's when you really start going down the rabbit hole. So yeah. if you can catch yourself and be like, no, I'm not taking that spitball today. No. And, and yeah. refocus. Imagine how much efficiency yeah. you're bringing to your mind in your everyday and your there's, work. Yes, absolutely. And there's so much value. And I call it naming the monster. Like when you have a feeling or a, an anxiety or what, okay, I'm feeling anxiety right now. I'm going to name that monster. It's anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Where's that coming from? What's triggering it? How, okay. Now is this a realistic feeling for what I'm seeing? Like, am I reacting to the fact that there's no milk in the house with high anxiety and I'm vibrating at a level that is way more than I need to, or am I reacting to the fact that I maybe just got in a car accident? And then, so this is a warranted feeling. Exactly. Right. Because that whole fight or flight freeze or fawn situation, like where am I at in it? I need to name it. When we name it, we can deal with it. We can parse it. Right. Right. And I mean, I was really lucky because I was raised by a therapist. So I had these tools in my toolbox without knowing it for my whole life. Right. Yeah. And as I started to meet people on my journey through life, I'm like, oh, you don't do that. <laughs> You're like my mom, my parents, or whichever parent built that into my like thought it's, system, my thought process, built into my brain, right? So there's little things that I feel like I'd been doing forever that had served me for so long, but then at the same time, my super type A temperament, yes, would just take those anxieties and be like, doesn't matter, like just go, just go, just achieve, just get, just be there. You have to be the best of this and perfectionist in that and make up for the yeah. difference. And right. Like that's how my brain went. So it took me time as an adult to come back to those tools and be like, right, that's what they're for. <laughs> really works so well. And I love your distinction because I think it's really important because there is that 
toxic positivity or spiritual bypassing that's out there. So it's important to, to, to feel, and that's a big yeah. part of our book too, that, you know, and I, I, you know, both Kate and I have gone through a lot of life trauma and I think I suppressed for my first decade. I was like, everything's fine and I'm going to be all spiritual and it's all good and good vibes only. And it's like, no, acknowledge the anxiety. If it's coming yeah. from a place that you have to feel, you know, it's Jay-Z that says, feel it to even to feel it, to heal it. It's important to acknowledge those. Emotions. We're not trying to like meditate our way through, you know, the emotions because we're human. And then there's a place for meditation and helping you work through that. But if stuff's coming up and like you said, you just got in a big car accident, you know, no need to be like, okay, I'm just going to be mindful. You feel it yeah, and you own it and you work through the motions, but then you also keep this perspective of, you know, mindfulness and, and meditation where that can elevate. And it's funny mind. how that feeling those negative emotions, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, uh, who's a psychotherapist. And she was saying how people's biggest fear is negative emotions. She said through her practice, that's the biggest fear across the board. Wow. And isn't that interesting, right? And the mm -hmm. irony of it is feeling and parsing those emotions brings you more joy. Right. 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 When you feel them and you're like, yeah. okay, I'm sad. I just need to sit in the sad and yeah, and work through it. You yeah. can come out the other side more joyful. Right. And you give yourself permission, you know, and this, this is true for meditation. It's like when people say, Oh, I can't meditate. Why? It's the biggest thing I got. I can't meditate. Why? I, my thoughts don't stop. Guess what? The thoughts don't stop. The time constant. And you know, I've been meditating for 18 years. I've never had a meditation where my thoughts stop. I always have, you know, 10, 20, a hundred thousand depends on, on my day. So you know, allowing them to come in and not resisting them, like not resisting the negative emotion. Like, Oh, I can't go this way. Let me distract myself. Allow it to come in, feel the yeah. anxiety, feel the sadness, feel the heaviness, cry it out, talk it out. And then, and then let it go. And then let and it, it go. A big traumatic event. Yeah. That might happen over and over, but let it come in. And even with the thoughts, you know, I always use the analogy. It's like clouds, like you're the ever present sky. I know it's cheesy, but with meditation, it's like, let the thoughts come in like little cloud bubbles. And sometimes I actually see my thought in a cloud bubble and see it float and watch it float away. And you learn that skill. And then, and then, yeah. and then in real life, in, in everyday life, you learn how to, how to manage it and move through the thoughts so much. Better. Yeah, I agree. And that's the practice, right? The more you practice, the better you get at it. I also love like a lighthouse analogy. I I'll meditate on specific words or, or feelings and I'll, in my mind, I picture the word. So say we use the word love, I picture the word. What does it feel like to feel love? How do I feel when I feel loved? Picture mm -hmm. each individual letter. What color are they? What, like, think about oh. all of that. And that allows me to ground myself with that feeling and that sense of calm and peace and whatever. And I use my, my normal five words are love, peace, happiness, health, and wealth. And wow. I circle through them. And then sometimes those thoughts come in and drag me out. And then I'm like, and now we're back to peace, peace, <laughs> peace. What color is peace? Look at that giant letter P like, let's just refocus on. And it allows me to come back to a place where I feel grounded. And I understand how my heart connects to these feelings. Because if I'm trying to focus on the word happiness, and I'm not feeling so happy, 
other thoughts are going to come in. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, now's the time to process this. I love that. And I right. and like, how often do we, we're so focused, especially the type A on, you know, <clears throat> the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the 1% feedback that I got that wasn't perfect. You know, uh, how often are we actually cultivating love and sitting in peace and sitting in what happiness feels like? I think that's such an empowering exercise to learn to own that emotion and that, and to give ourselves permission to sit in it. It's like yeah. type A, like, no, I have to be feeling something. I have to be busy all the time. Blah, blah, blah. Give yourself permission to sit in the good and yes. watch how that works for you as, as a favor instead of pulling you. Yeah. I've actually found that through my practice, the biggest thing us type A folks are not doing is celebrating, celebrating mm-hmm. and enjoying the joy. Yes. And, you know, I do corporate workshops as well. And that's a whole section when I do a workshop on self-care or self-love or imposter syndrome is like, and I was there, you know, in marketing, you work your fucking ass off. I don't yes. know if I swear. Before. No, you um, swear all you want. That's, we're here for that. <laughs> that's part of the thing um, to, to get a launch. And it takes, you know, two years from start to finish. And then the thing is finally launched. And by the time it's launched and it's in market and sales is working, guess what? We're on to the next. Yeah. Like, are we stopping and selling massive thing that we just created? Are we doing that as a team? You know, like even in a work setting, it's like, we're on to the next. We're not building that collaboration, that camaraderie as a team, yeah. celebrating and by the way, it's okay to not work for 10 seconds and have cake and celebrate it. You know, Yeah, I think this is the other challenge is <laughs> the need to be forever productive. Yes. <sighs> and I mean, I think I'm trying even for myself and I, this is why this podcast exists because frankly, the course was built on, you know, my life experience, the last decade of me trying to learn to relax, um, <laughs> Um, because my mother was diagnosed with Parkinson's and I was like, oh man, like that's coming my way. If I can't learn to bring it down a notch, I'm way over. And then when she passed away, that really informed a lot of this course too. Cause it was like, listen, now I'm dealing with the grief of that and the constant feeling of responsibility around it and whatever else. And so taking all of that and putting it into the course and then realizing the last, um, the last week of the course is called, am I Zen yet? And the answer is n- no, but <laughs> you're working in that direction, right? <laughs> and so you've learned a lot of skills over the last nine weeks that are going to help you in the direction. Um, but, uh, you know, another thing that um, our psychotherapist guest had said too, instead of saying I'm working towards this goal or towards Zen, I'm orienting myself in that direction, which is a little bit more graceful, a little bit more kind. You're not aiming to hit it because type A is so obsessed with getting to the goal. Yeah. And that's the thing with meditation. It's not, there is no goal. There is no reward. And we talk about this in the book too. There is no, you don't get an Oscar for the best meditator. It's a very personal practice between you and you. Um, and there's no compare. And that's why I say, you know, you can't really teach meditation. You can give tips on meditation, but really the, it, it's, it's about going inwards and, mm-hmm. and even the practice itself, you know, if 99% of the world loves headspace and you're not feeling it, listen to that. If you yeah. want to do 
active meditation or mantra meditation or sit in silence or chakra healing, what, like whatever it is, nature sounds, yep. whatever makes feel peace in that moment. It's your journey to, to figure there's no goal. And, and it, you know, it's a ride. Like we, you know, some meditations are, and that's the other thing I say, don't label your meditation as good or bad. Don't judge it. It just is the fact that you took three minutes to sit today, even if your mind was really active, like that's okay. So it's not, yeah, it's a, it's a journey and it's going to have an incredible trickle effect to the rest of your life, but it's not like one day I'm going to be Zen. And then my life no. is going to change. It's That's not- the reward is the trickle effect. The reward is I can honestly tell you some really, and I'm sure you have stories about this too, just magical, incredible things have happened to me because oh, yeah. I sat and meditated on something and manifested something oh, and gosh. said, this is about to happen. And I'm already grateful. And thank you universe for making this happen for me because you've no idea how grateful I am. And literally like next day, Bam. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Our thoughts are powerful. You feel crazy for a minute. Like, oh my God, no one's going to believe me. That just happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just read, um, becoming supernatural by Joe Dispenza. Um, he's a a scientist or quantum was, you know, studies quantum physics and all this kinds of stuff and has done MRI scans of the brain you know, when it comes to meditation, it's on my oh, list. Did you gosh, love it? I, I love it's, 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 it's a, it's a hard, hard read. There's lots of science in it, which is fine. If you're an A type or you like data, I started my career off in data analytics. So I loved all the charts and everything, but, um, I already knew the importance and the power of thought, but after reading that book, it's like, Oh my gosh, the power of thoughts and how our thoughts create our future. There is science behind this. So if we're manifesting and creating, you better believe the puzzle pieces start falling versus, Oh my God, I can't do that. Oh my God, I can't do that. Oh my God. I'm never going to catch up. Yeah. It becomes your reality. Um, The power of the subconscious is so magical. It's, it's always working always. There's never a point where your subconscious turns off. Yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely powerful. And that's what we don't realize and lean into because for types eight, type A's, it's not tangible. We can't control it. Can't control it. And the beauty thing is though, you can train it. So you can't control it, but you can train it. You can train it through positive affirmations and meditation and mindfulness. You can train it through goal setting, which type A's love. Type A's love a good goal. Love a good goal. Right. (laughs) So goal setting. And it's funny, um, through my lead without permission course, this is a big part of that course because that's mostly geared towards people who feel maybe a little lost in the back of the boardroom, not really participating. Maybe they're in the wrong space, wrong job, something's not clicking for them and they haven't really found their voice, their leadership role. And so that that's who comes into that course. And as we go through it, we talk about different things. And near the end, we start to talk about goal setting. And I do it in a really specific way. And as people come into it, they're like, oh, yeah, I set goals. And I'm like, not like this, you don't. And we start <laughs> to set these goals. And people are like, whoa, I never even thought of things this way. And I'm like, yeah, because it's about getting granular. It's about being very specific. You can't say one day I want to go to Europe. Right. 
you have to say, I want to stay in this beautiful little place in Paris, France. And it's got the like twirly things on the little balcony. And I want to sit with my cup of cappuccino. And I want like, you have to see it. Yeah. Like you can see your own living room. Yeah. And then when you're looking, you're going to find it. And it's like, oh. That's the one. That's where I want to go. You're going to find the price. You're going to make it happen. You can't make things happen through being big. You cannot. And it's funny. I um I don't you probably remember the movie The Secret that came out like Yeah, you know? yeah. And um and again, that's a very vague again, it's a very vague the way that it's positioned and everything, but there was I'll never forget this one story of this guy and he created a vision board. He was talking about, you know, the importance of a vision board and then, you know, packed it away, he had moved into a new home. It had been, you know, I think five or six years. Um, and he was just, they were just unpacking boxes and stuff that they hadn't for a while. And, you know, his, he found this, this old vision board that he made for himself and he looked up at it and there was this mansion, a picture of a mansion that he put on and he looked a little closer and he's like, holy shit, that's my pool. He literally put a mansion on his vision board unbeknownst to him actually bought that house and didn't realize it for years later until he's picked up his vision you know so that's how how they actually bought the exact same damn house so that is how powerful it's amazing our thoughts our manifestations can be and there is science there is science and exactly how the brain works and the chemicals in the brain and you know when we focus on these things I know I always it's we <laughs> I never want to go to woo because I want people to understand that I'm also coming from a place of research and science, right? And I love it when they come together yes. and people who are very scientific minded are like, no, but that's just a bunch of, and I'm like, no, but wait, it isn't. There are people doing research on it and it's real. There's so yeah. much we don't know. It's like, we know more about space than we know about the ocean. We know more about the ocean than we know about what our brain is uh, capable of doing. Yes, I know. And I, I mean, I got into this in the nineties. Like I, I, you know, experienced some trauma and in, in, as a, as a child, I'm sorry to hear about your mom, by the way, I've been, oh, you know, thank you. That in there. I know it's, it's very, oh, grief is so heartbreaking. Yeah you know, all of these tips and tools are only helpful in, in going through that process, but nonetheless, it's, it's heart-wrenching to lose, you know, especially your mom. Um, and so, you know, as a teen, I went through some, and so I've been studying this stuff since the nineties and it, it's not until recently that all this neuroscience and neurology ha has come out on meditation. There's a woman if, for people who are interested by the name of Sarah Lazar, I'm sure you've, you might've heard of her, but she's associated with Harvard medical school and she has done many studies and MRI scans on the brain, but she did one where she took experienced practitioners and people who had never practiced meditation before. And for the people who had never practiced, she had them on a program. I think it was 27 minutes a day for eight weeks. And as little as eight weeks, their brains like this, it changes the structure of your brain. Like there's many things that happen in the brain, but their brains mimic those of experienced practitioners, Yeah, you know, and just, so when I heard that study, I thought, Oh my God, this is, this is what I have known to believe in the, in the depths of my gut and soul, but yeah. to see the science, the shift, just, the shift happens so quickly. Yeah, it does. Right. And, and as soon as you find it, you find that stuff, the, 
the mantras that work for you or the the affirmations that work for you whatever it is that that sings to your heart yeah the shift is immediate it's immediate it's incredible it is and that, and that is where the a types have to just take the leap of trust yes that faith um, it's have faith <laughs> have faith and then and then the the result maybe it's not a number that you can see but you will start to see you're less reactive yes. to your three thoughts. You're less reactive to the people that used to just get under your skin. Um, you can have like a better parent. Oh gosh, better better parent, better if I know, don't partner meditate. Child. Oh yeah. If I don't meditate for a few weeks, I see myself getting like snippy with oh. the kids and snippy with my husband. Not in like a mean way, but in a like well, like sarcasm, like. I, so I work with temperament tools. And so, um, one of the ways that we can tell that we're out of esteem is how we react to things. And so my personal temperament, there's four, but I'm really bright in three of the four. So unfortunately I get all of those out of esteem symptoms. So one of them is sarcasm. So I'll start to get sarcastic and I'll be like, okay, Risha, we are not in a good place at the moment. Right. You need a minute. (laughs) You need a minute. And I notice it on the day, like the days I don't meditate even. And and sometimes it's 40 minutes. Sometimes it's five minutes. It really depends on like when my daughter wakes up, I don't put pressure on it. I'm not like, okay, it has to be the, and I think that people have that perception. Like it has to be a sport where you're playing it for no, if that's what you have time for, but the days I don't, I notice I am just a little bit off my game. I'm not as, you know, Zen throughout the day. Yeah. It's so true. So at what point in your life, you were saying you were going into this in the nineties, but at what point did you begin this search for ancient wisdom? then, um, in, in, in the nineties, I, so, um, just to be a little vulnerable here. So I lost my dad and brother when I was 16, um, to a murder suicide. So it was very intense. Um, and you know, the detectives on the case were like, he wanted to take you too. We had this whole premeditated plan. So I'm just, it's just by the draw. It really is just unbelievable how the story that went down that I ended up out of the house, but um, you know, I was at a loss and, you know, my mom put me with child psychologists and psychiatrists and all that stuff is important, but the only thing that was making me, giving me any kind of hope and peace was ancient wisdom. Right. Um, that's the only time I felt like I had answers, like true, true answers. Like, yes, you have to deal with your emotions, but, um, you know, just, just, I started questioning what's life all about. What's my purpose in life? What's the meaning of life? Um, and that's when I started studying and, and I, you know, I went to business school and I had a great career in sales and marketing and all that, but, but my spiritual side of me, um, and ancient that always was kind of parallel pathing. And then, you know, in 2010, I went to the ashram, but, you know, I, I came back from that thinking, wow, there's so much practicality in this. Like, like you said, you know, you think of the woo, but no, there's, I worked in corporate and I realized, wow, there's so much in here that can help. And, and that's what inspired me to, to start my business. But I really have been studying this stuff for, you know, almost 25, 30 years. Yeah, it's incredible. Your story is so touching. And I mean, I cried through the whole chapter of the book. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. That's it was 
<laughs> it was a tough one to to share. It was the first time I kind of publicly put it out there, but my whole thing was, you know, giving people hope through diversity that you can, you know, I came out of that. I was a straight A student. I, you know, couldn't even function. I couldn't even sit through a class without yeah. like, leaving to my guidance. So I tell high school kids when I talk to them, you know, you're talking to a best-selling author who failed English. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but thank you. I, I so appreciate it. And it's um it helps me like continue to be vulnerable when I hear that, you know, sharing that had had an impact. Yeah. I cry at everything. So you'll have to pardon me. But um yeah, no, it's exactly that. It's funny, you know, I think this idea of trauma starting yeah. these journeys is pr- a pretty common and relatable thing. Yeah. And you know, it, it's that whole, the harder you fall, the higher you bounce. And sometimes we have to go through the thing Yeah, to really reflect when we're running on autopilot and a lot of A types are doing that, just running yeah. on autopilot, work home, work home, you know, and we're not stopping. And yeah. Going, What's actually going on there? What do I need to heal. And this happened for a lot of people in the pandemic when they had to sit in quiet. Yeah. Mom, you can't go see your friends. You can't do this. You can't engage in sports activities. Or and suddenly this happened to me at the ashram. I unplugged completely. And suddenly it's like, oh, oh my gosh, what is actually going on in my mind? And it's scary. Yeah. Um, look there, but sometimes it is those tragic events that make us you know, reevaluate life and, and go inwards. And they're, 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 they're awful and they're heartbreaking um, and they're devastating, but they catapult us. They do. I agree. I mean, it's self. funny. I've almost died twice in my life. And in wow. those instances, th- both times it was a kick in the ass to be like, refocus. Yeah. What do you really want? Like, what, do you what are want we important to you? What are we doing? You know, yeah. and I, what are we um, doing? <laughs> what are we doing? And, you know, c- to continue with that vulnerability path, when I was uh, pregnant, my, I, I also lost my mom um, years later to at 33 to, to ALS or Lou Gehrig. So, you right. know, I can appreciate how challenging it is to, to lose a parent, but that's when I was like, enough's enough now this is my second reality check so I yeah. had my daughter and I lost my mom months apart um or I had my mom I lost my mom then had my daughter uh, I was pregnant and and you know I thought here we go my brother passed away at 11 my dad was 44 my mom was 61 yeah nothing is fucking guaranteed no nothing, nothing is guaranteed so what are you doing why are you know and that's when I started my business that's when I wrote my I mean I went through a few years of dealing with my grief forgiving my dad. That was a whole thing, you know, being a mom. Um, and I took some time off. And then after that, I was like, there is really, I know it sounds overstated, but there's no time like the present. Why am That's I it? And you just try. And I said, I'm going to give it a year. Doesn't happen. Go yeah. back to and here we are five years and, and, and 50 clients later, you know, yeah. just here we go. Thank you for joining us for part one with Nina Purell, co-author of let that shit go. Uh, you definitely want to check out part two. You do not want to miss this. So hop on over and start streaming that right now. Thank you for listening. Like and subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts.
Visit www.yorkmotivational.com for more information on my super type A attempt at being Zen, the coaching program, Lead Without Permission, or visit our contact page to reach out to Risha. Wishing you all continued balance and fulfillment on your road to Zen.